Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for another dive into the world of cycling for this week. Before we start, let me remind you that we have our website sbs.com.au slash central. And this is where you can download or stream this podcast and also stay up to date with everything else cycling. And we're very pleased uh, this week to have uh, almost the complete crew, the usual crew. Sophie Smith is back. Hi, Sophie. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. And you? Good. Thank you. Uh, Pat Shaw on my left. Pat? Yep. Back again. And uh, well, it's been a really full on cycling scene the last two weeks. Exactly. And uh, back from uh, Europe, back from the uh, Ardennes, back from the the classic area, Dave McKenzie. Yes, and more importantly, a family holiday. So the last two weeks, I <laughs> had no to be idea what was going here. on in the cycling world. But gee, I did, you know what I did have? My yes, first, I no, I had my first whiskey oh, in Scotland. Okay. Oh, gee, it went down well. Oh, you too. went to Scotland. Which, yes. What did you go for? You like oh, there's 400 different whiskeys. I just said to the lady, I'm, I'm not a whiskey man, so just serve it up. And did you go hit me? I did, I did, and she did. She and she did. Me. And then she gave me a whiskey. <laughs> there's only two times. Neat or on the rocks. <laughs> there's, only, there's only two times to follow Dave McKenzie on uh, social media during the Tour de France and during the classic season. And I tell you what, it's not too bad. I've enjoyed uh, following you yes. while you've been away. Well, who wouldn't enjoy themselves in uh, Belgium that time of the year? It's great. That's a step up from the Tour de France, Macca, where yeah. I think we had a glass of wine in a petrol station last year. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. have to pick a race to go to to go rough. to the classics. Yeah, it's a bit rough at the Tour, isn't it? Yeah. We, I, we actually work at the tour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk cycling. We concluded the uh, the classics of this year. Uh, Flesh Wallon, Liege, Baston, Liege. Uh, Flesh Wallon won by Alaphilippe and Liege, Baston, Liege by Jungles. Pat, what do you make of this season and those last two races? I know you have a strong view on Liege, Baston, Liege. Well, firstly, Flesh was pretty good. You know, it's as expected. It's all going to go down on the final ascent, and uh, everyone expected Valverde to to blow the field apart. But uh, he didn't. Things didn't go his way in the race, and in fact, it was the first time in a long time that we've seen teams race uh, accordingly to beat a single rider. What happened in the end was Ella Philippe, who was the second best bike rider, he won quite clearly in the end, ten, twelve lengths, going away. Uh, but it was a good race because it wasn't your traditional tactics where they all rode just for their favourite on the final climb. Most of the teams rode very, very aggressively early in the race to force Movistar's hand, and they had no one left to help Valverde in the finale, and, well, he paid the price for it. What's the atmosphere of this race, Flesh Wallen, on a Wednesday? It's kind of a, it's a Wednesday race. It's a bit different than any other of the classics that are usually on Sundays. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's not a monument, but it feels like one, doesn't it? I think maybe because of the finale as well. No, look, I think that, that whole period in Belgium, in all seriousness, is brilliant because... There's just a race on. There's a ra- there's a midweek race. There's a weekend race. Generally, it's a monument. It's one of the big ones. You know, it starts back in, in the Flanders uh, area when you've got Roubaix. And like back in 1896 or something, yeah, something it's, it's ridiculous incredible. like this. <laughs> so uh, people just love it. It's a nice time of the year to be to be there. I mean, yeah. Look, it's um, but flesh was flesh was great as Pat said. And but for me to to 
go another step, you know, I focused a bit more on the women's um, races and in particular um, Amanda Spratt because she targeted and she'd made a point of announcing that she was foregoing selection at Com Games and to fall just one short of victory in Liège, Baston Liège for her was a supersonic effort, I thought. Particularly because she was ill not far out from the classic yeah, season. She had to pull out um, of the initial classics for the Women's World Tour. But, I mean, have a look at her results. Second in Liège, fifth in Flesh. She was third in Amstel, and she was top ten in Strata Bianca as well. So all those one-day you know, classics, she was really strong in this year. She's mentioned, as you said earlier, uh, before we started the podcast, she said that this is her greatest achievement, her most proudest yep. moment. And so, and, and fair enough too, because it's been brilliant. But she did it all the hard way. She went out long from home in, in both Liège and Flesh. But in the end, like she, she, okay, she says it's her proudest moment, but she still, how does she feel not to have won Liège, for example? Do you think she could have done it? And then she, as a racer, you know this, as a, as a well, she rider, said, is she still a bit, you know? Like oh, she, she would be, absolutely. She said, I think there was a quote I saw post race, she said, already thinking about next year. So she's got the hunger, considering initially when the coaching staff from uh, Mitchell and Scott had, had put it to her, put the case to her and said, we don't think you should go to Com Games. We think it's time for you to step up. You're capable. And it, initially she said, no way. I, I don't want to skip Com Games. And for female athletes, Sophie, you'd agree, I think we'd all agree That's with this. Big, yeah. It's bigger for them because they don't get, they don't get the the – the, the recognition that they deserve, yeah. yeah, and so so that's a big kudos to her for in the end saying, okay, I'm going to do it, and, and I think realistically here we're all traditionalists. I know I am in terms of the sport, and it's no disrespect to the Com Games, but I'd much yeah. rather see the athletes go to the Ardennes Classics, you know, male or female. So uh, it would have been you, safer for her to go to the Com Games. She, in terms of maybe not even results, but just what Maka said, like recognition and and profile, mm. but. She's focused on having um, a career in Europe. And I think the important thing here is, as Maka said, I spoke to her sort of at the end of last season, the start of this season, and she wasn't sure. But to go in and commit to that, um, particularly when she wasn't certain at the first place, she's bought into a, a strategy that the team's produced. And then I think, I mean, we said in the last podcast in Liège, she had to just just go all in. Yeah. and. I've not heard, I've not spoken to, I'm not sure what her mentality is. But from a yes, third-party perspective, I think looking at that, she's gone, yeah, we committed, yeah, we came really close. And for the rest of the season, that's she probably has more confidence in the team, more confidence in herself, so I wouldn't be surprised to see her still deliver some big results this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly, but it's a totally a success. That's her first uh, direct uh, approach for the Classics, and she's ready for next year. She's used it as, I have uh, developed this far. And I can tell you in 12 months, she's developed far more than anyone else. But some Aussies that really caught my eye as well, you've got to respect the performance of Shara Gillo, ninth in Liège, sixth in Flesh. Great yes. results again. Yeah. Um, Brody Chapman, she won the Herald Sun Tour earlier in the year, 19th in Flesh, 31st in Liège. She hasn't ridden in Europe before in the in road racing. I mean, these this is really great development for isn't it? Australia. Yeah. Before, we wouldn't really think of Australian women going for these uh, Ardennes Classics. Well, next year, who knows? We could have three or four in the top ten. Maybe we can be the Dutchies. Mm. Ooh, that's a good uh, that's a good statement. <laughs> the Dutchies in green and gold. Exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Tour de Romandie in Switzerland that just uh, concluded um, over the weekend. Winner Primoz Roglic uh, from uh, Lotto Jumbo. Uh, Richie finished third. 
That's not a bad result for Richie. I think that's a great result. I think we, we needed to see, and he needed to for himself as well, where he was at because he got a bit sick. I think he, he's changed his program slightly, building towards the tour. So I was eager to see where Richie was at, and that's enough. That's that's good enough. He's he's at the very pointy end. His time trialling was good. It wasn't the best, obviously, but it was very good. So I think he's on the right track. Yeah, look, if you're 52 or 53 kilos is what he is and you have an average spring weather in Europe, you're going to get ill, and he, he got ill. But uh, to see his uh, ability in Romandy, that says to me, and I've actually put it down, is performing excellent in Tour de France preparation, and he is. He's got no rush, no reason to rush things, but I think his performances, particularly in the uphill time trial in Romandy, showed that you know he's not far off, and in race circumstances, in the Grand Tours, there's going to be more time to be made up on the mountains. He's really good, and uh, interestingly enough, He's uh, second favourite still for the Tour de France. Hmm. How does that compare to last year? Where where he's at now and then where he was last year at roughly the same time? Well, his prep last year, I think it pretty much went perfectly right to the Tour and then it all fell yep. apart on what, yep. stage five or stage six when he crashed. So he, he's had a little hiccup this year. And, and in, in the last probably six, seven years, every Tour de France winner they haven't really had any hiccups. They haven't got sick or ill leading into... They've all had this sort of perfect season. So it doesn't mean he can't win. But the good thing is he's just back on track. I don't think it affects him or it's different or, you know, as long as he arrives in July, fresh, healthy, form's good, head's right, strong team with him, he's good to go. It's hard to compare as well because he has changed his race program this year. Like, irrespective of the illness, he, mm. at the beginning of the year, had outlined a very different program so how he responds in those races and not he's got the tour de swiss next and i'm not even sure if he's ever done that before he's and doing external a factors but he's definitely doing a different run-in but i mean he's basically last year as you said maca everything went perfect except for dauphine he lost to uh fool's gang yeah. on, the last the, stage on the last day yeah. when uh, Froome decided that no longer should they be friends which is good because it creates a bit of an atmosphere around the tour de france which we'll probably see again this year but this year, basically, nothing's gone right. Uh, he still won um, the uh, hilltop finish in uh, Wollonga, and he did that impressively. But Impey won the tour. Richie Port didn't win the tour, and he got sick, and he's had other setbacks. I, I think things are going well for him, and it's important that he prepares well. But also the team has a lot of motivation behind us. We know about the sponsorship uh, issues behind BMC at the moment. Um, and I think yeah, Rich- more question mark than issues actually. Like, we don't know if BMC is going to be here next year as a as a brand, uh, and of course they've lost their uh, their, their legendary owner. Yeah, Andy Reese passing away uh, last week, and we've seen at Romandy, Rowan Dennis performed really well as well. The Aussie, he goes into the Giro d'Italia next uh, Saturday, should I say? Yeah, seven, um, seventh at the Romandy. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, we've seen it in the past. You know, uh, when teams have have potentially going to fold. The riders, they just absolutely ride out of their skin. Um, so I uh, can look for a very strong uh, uh, Giro in particular for BMC. Mm. Yeah, for someone like Richie Port, uh, maybe even Rowan Dennis, I think the situation with a team doesn't matter for people of that stature and that um, are always going to find a team. It's the people beneath them that have issues. With Richie Port, I think it's irrespective of his health as well. Physically, he's always on point. Mentally, is his issue. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be what uh, will be next tested, I think, before the tour and at the tour. But mentally, the fact that there's some uncertainty, not so much about the team, but uh, around the, the, the team with the guys with him, could that by uh, third party affect him, even mentally a little Certainly. bit? Certainly. 
because those lesser riders you talk about, uh, Sophie, they start to go for their opportunities. They yeah, try exactly. to get into the breakaways and things like that a lot more. And we, we have seen in the past. We've seen in the past. But I don't think that's going to happen in that sort of level of team because the riders they take to the Tour de France are basically assured of a contract anywhere else if they became available anyway because they'll be helpful super domestiques or domestiques um, because I don't think BMC will take a sprinter to... Uh, to the Tour de France anyway. No, and it's it's in those – got a point, Pat, actually, but I think it's in their interests as well to play ball and play the team role because if they don't, other teams now, they've become more so much more professional, I think, whereas years ago you had a team of opportunists. I rode in a couple of teams that were like that. We had leaders, but, you know, plenty of riders had free reign, which wasn't the right way for teams to race. And nowadays I think you really stand out if you don't follow – team orders and um well that what a sports director says yeah yeah so well, yeah, yeah. Wes Sulzberger said that about FDJ didn't he, he yeah. said it was like a, a bunch of stray cats really going to a race they rode in the same jersey he, but blamed, it on never... be, he blamed it on being French team though yeah 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 well <laughs> but FDJ now you know is extremely French? extremely <laughs> professional outfit and uh we continue to to watch them uh deliver really great results as well Rudy Mollard standing out as well Carry on on the on Richie Porte. He made a, a couple of comments, and one that is quite interesting is that he may not be here at the Tour Don on the next year. Um, he says, "Well, it's uh, I mean, the, the, so obviously being from Australia, it's a great tour, the Tour Don Under. But I'm not sure how we go back next year. Um, why saying this so early? Well, he's probably been asked the question, has he? I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's and he's right. It is." Uh, but he could have just go, early. I don't know, yes, maybe. No, mm. Being quite specific, saying, already I might not be here. He's, he's, They're probably he's, planning ahead. They're probably yeah. already planning so ahead. So he could have aspirations to do the Volta yeah. <laughs> after the Tour, depending on how the yeah, Tour goes. He did last year before Can we read injured. something into this as well? I think what we can read in, I think Sagan comes back next year on contract with the race to return for pretty big dollars, and Richie probably thinks he's fair and just uh, to receive a payment for turning up to Tour Down Under himself. So... Maybe he's decided Money that I'll miss, this, yeah. I'll miss this year. <laughs> but if you want me in 2020, I'll be available for yeah. <laughs> some nice uh, Australian dollars. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, who knows? It's, it could be like that. I mean, and that, that if I can move from what you're saying there to Froome starting the Giro, yeah. I mean, what was it? Was it a million dollars or a million euros 1. or something? 1.4 million, I think. It's oh, one, mo- oh, so yeah, 1.4 exactly. million euros or something to, to be on the so starting So the line. question is, how long is he going to stay in the Giro? Is he staying in it to win it? Or is he going to bail after a week? Let's go properly to the Giro, okay? Uh, because it's coming up. It's a race you know by heart. Froome is the elephant in the room, mm. completely. There's this prize money for starting. He's, got, he's, he's on the list. I mean, why? 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 Like, it's a question we've well, had for well, a few months. Well, one why is million reasons uh, why. <laughs> is it really the money? Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I've, I've heard he doesn't mind counting the old, the, the old Chris Froome yeah. till, you know, <laughs> cash till. But... It's wrong. I think it's so wrong that he is allowed to be there. He has every right to be there. Well, that's exactly right. But I think it's wrong because we still have an unresolved issue with the salbutamol. And I just think it's so wrong that our sport can let this happen. But that's a real shame that that they've let it drag out. But that is the sport that has that grey area and he is not abusing that. He is just playing by the rules. You're right. You're right. And I hate it as much as you. I've got to say, I hate it as much as you. But... You watch too much of these arguments and they're just tunnel vision. The facts are Chris Froome has every right to race, just as Alberto Contador had every right to mm. race when he got um, he got suspended as well. But Contador, what? by experience, came back and said, 
he shouldn't start. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not Cardinal up to Conte. said that, did he? Yeah, yeah but it's not up to Conte. Jeez, he's got a hide, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. He's had a lot of things post-retirement. Hey, but actually, can I just ask you, Sophie, surely Froome will get hounded by the print press. I mean, you know a lot of the, the people in the world cycling press. He's going to get hounded. He already has. We're yep. still talking about it, aren't, he? aren't we? And I don't think... But on the start line, you know what it's like at the Tour de well, he's France. He's been hounded every race this year yeah, to the okay. point where I think he came out oh, the last race he did and just said, that's it, I'm not answering any questions. And to be fair, he gets hounded, Sky gets hounded. Every Grand Tour, big Grand Tour racer gets hounded about doping questions. That's Everyone's moving on with new structures. It's mm. still enough in the, in the conscience that, that you do. But he will, and particularly if he starts where if he's in the pink jersey... At some point, him. it's always going to be an asterisk until this situation him. gets well, you'd resolved. Have to say yeah. so. You'd have to say so, Macca, but I tell you, he's handled it incredibly and he does want, he seemingly wants it resolved. And I think he I think he might actually have convinced himself that he hasn't done anything wrong and that's why it is so easy for him to go on and do what he's doing. He posts up about Strava rides. But to answer your question, Christoph, about the Giro, yeah, he gets a big water cash. Yes, Macca, you're right. He's counting his dollars. Of course he is. He wants to retire after cycling and not have to do anything else. But eight-man teams in a world tour, grand tour, they're not going to have him pull out in any circumstance. They sent a team there. The way their list is set up, their team that's on the start line, the only other rider that could succeed in, in returning a result would be uh, Wolf Poles. And by result, I mean a finishing result. Uh, would be Wolf Poles. He can time trial, he can climb, so he could do. he could be their backup rider. But, I mean, outside of that, They've gone with one thing and they're going back Chris Froome again. He might not be at the Tour de France. So he might want to win this. Mm. The, the idea that he, this could be the third consecutive Grand Tour is winning as well, uh, at least on the road. Uh, that must play a role in, in almost his legacy or what he wants to achieve. It'll have an a- until it's resolved. He's he's going to constantly have an, a- an asterisk there. It Does, doesn't matter what his result is. It, it's not going to go away in the press until there there is a ruling. And he said himself, like, it was meant to be. This has been almost like a, a quasi-defence for him. This was meant to be a private issue. It had not been for some investigative journalism. No one would know, and he wouldn't have been saying anything, and, you yeah. know, he would have had a, a Imagine good the podcast, how you would have been without him for the last, uh, oh, for the last yeah, episode. Yeah, <laughs> just blank. But just I mean, he would have had a five-minute blank <laughs> section. <laughs> he has no right to say that uh, without the investigation, by rights, it should have all been out in the air anyways. I'm just, I think that's the side of it that probably does my head in the most is that he feels as if he is, um, is, is able to have treatment that no other riders in the world, not yeah, just I the agree. world tour, but the it's, world it's are, are privy to, and he doesn't deserve it, nor did Lance Armstrong and nor did any other the dopers in the past. And I'm not saying that Chris Froome, because it hasn't been resolved yet, but I mean, ultimately we spoke about this last year before the Vuelta started. If he ever gets a cloud over his head, those riders and the and the and the sport will come after him because he has achieved things that no one else has done before him, and therefore it seems inhumane to be able to do it. So, superhuman results—they come with a lot of pressure. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about uh, race, uh, racing and a proper racing. Uh, I've got a start list in front of me. Uh, where are your favourites? And because Dave, you know that race really well. Uh, first of all, I'm going to. Just ask you, start in Jerusalem. Uh, you, as a as a rider that rode this Giro, what does that change in the the essence of that of that race? Well, being being an Italian race now, starting in Jerusalem. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the race has changed a lot over the years, anyway. So, and, you know, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but 
was 17 years since I've, or 18 <laughs> years since I've raced it. So it has changed so much. It used to really been, it was run by the Italian teams and the mafiosa, if you want to say. And mm-hmm. they decided when we w- would race and they'd decide when we'd have piano. And now it's not ruled at all by them. You've got the English speaking teams, you've got the foreign teams that are in there. It's open slatter and it's a really tough race. It was tough back then. But it was raced in a certain way. And now the style of racing across the board is very similar. And the fact that they're starting in Jerusalem, that changes it. It adds another element. And it's, I mean, it's exciting. The first time a Grand Tour started outside of Europe. So, you know, and the, you know, the, the, the political aspect of it as well. I mean, it's <laughs> Controversial in Israel. When I, when I did the Giro, it started in the Vatican. Now it starts yeah, in that's next Jerusalem. Door. That's I mean, next door, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's incredible. Yeah, well, Maka, 18 years, and there's eight Aussies on the start line, most of whom will need to go after a stage victory similar to how you did. Stage seven in the year 2000, it was. And you realise that (laughs) those Aussies must have looked at you as kids. When you won that race, well, actually, some of them. <laughs> oh yes, they would have been bored. Yeah, yes. they would have <laughs> been. Uh, ben o- I, I thought it's been a while, but not that long. Ben O'Connor and well, Chris Hamilton just. only just. <laughs> he wouldn't have been looking at me. He, the he, wiggles he, in the Giro. Yeah, you know, like. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's. Um, I don't need to tell you guys. We, we all know the Giro is. It is a special race. It's the second biggest race in the world behind the Tour de France, and. You know, let's. Um, I think we're going to see a great race, and the Aussies there, the young Aussies, and you mentioned Ben O'Connor. I mean, he's a he's a star in the making, isn't he? And he's so young and so innocent. I think off naive the bike too. Naive, he is the naive, way and I think he, that's a good thing. Yeah, the way he won his stage in Tour of Alps was mm. just like, well, it was as if he was racing a, a low level race because he rode it. Uh, irrespective of who was in the field, he rode off. He rode Chris Froome off his wheel. Well, they got plenty of confidence these young kids, haven't they? And that's what's that's what's really good to see. And uh, we've got uh, Adam Hansen as well uh, going for is it twentieth twentieth in a row. Uh, we thought last time that was going to be the last one, and then he's doing another one again. Uh, how incredible is that number twenty? Like Federer won twenty Grand Slam. Uh, Hansen is twentieth time in a in a Grand Tour. And he'll be especially motivated this year, I think, because he's not doing the Tour de France for the first time. So we know. In a long time. The, the streak yet. is... Until he, exactly. until he kneecaps one of his teammates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like last year. That's what happened in the foil yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he crashed. His teammate crashed yeah. in training. Yeah, good on you. So, the, so. Streak, the streak is officially going to stop. He makes their shoes, so maybe that's the trick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, but how big is the, Sorry, the achievement? How big is that achievement as a, as a racer? It's massive and... I've asked him before, like, why? Because if you look at the calendar, there's really not a lot of recovery time between each Grand Tour. And it's not like he's sort of just, you know, riding at the back of the peloton. He's either being an opportunist and going out for stage victories in really crappy weather. Or, you know, he's racing for Andre Greipel or you know, a GC contender in the past. So he, he certainly doesn't take it on lightly. And I think it's a record he's quite, quite proud of as well. Yeah, well, he delivers a, a, a role for his team, and he's done it for 20 straight Grand Tours. He already holds the record, so it's not about records now, but I think 20 is a nice round number. The it last is. time and I was speaking 19, it's an well. odd number. It's yeah. just a little bit funny. So now it's an even number. He, he most likely won't be at the Tour de France. We'll wait and see. But, I mean, Lotto's got a really exciting team in the Giro. I think Tim Wallens can offer them a good chance on the general classification. We've already seen what Thomas De Gent's capable of recently. I don't know if he's on the start line. I didn't check. But you spoke about favourites, Christoph. Can yeah. Esteban Chavez get the job done for Mitchelton Scott? It's difficult to know, but Macca? 
Good question. Who I've did, interviewed yeah. him. He thinks he can. All right, done. We, All right, we pencil had a, him. We <laughs> had a, a, a very difficult interview to organise. I was meant to have stayed up late because he's training in Colombia doing an altitude camp. And, and eventually we got there like two hours, literally two hours and like $25 later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's funny, Esteban. It's, he, doesn't, he says something without saying anything. He's an athlete that can also be a bit of a politician like a Chris Froome you never quite know what yep. he's thinking but I always at the end of an interview like occasionally like to ask an athlete can you win this Giro in in a month's time or we'll be calling you the winner of the Giro and sometimes their answer that they'll come back with an unequivocal yes there's been a few like Goss when Matthew Goss when he won Milan San Remo I came into the SBS studio and he said yep I, I really think I can. He had a smile in his voice and I told everyone to put money on him and I was the only one that didn't and anyone, everyone made a nice profit. Yeah. <laughs> but I asked Esteban the same question and he just said, it was a rhetoric, but he just said, well, why not? He's like, I work really hard for this. He's invited his family to the third week of the Giro, who are a particularly big motivator for him. I I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the podium. Not only a big motivator week three, week three is absolutely monstrous as far as the terrain the last three days before They'll, uh, they'll obviously have the passeggiato, which is the final stage. But, I mean, uh, stages, I think it's uh, 2019 and 18 are all mountain finishes. And I reckon Mitchell and Scott has the best team going into the Giro. Haig's in really good condition. Mikael Nieve is a new signing to the team. He's going to be really good. Yates is there as well, Simon Yates. Well, Yates is your, your yeah. pretty good plan B too, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's interesting because Haig was Haig was about top 25, 30 on GC and Vuelta last year. So it's not to say that he can't be a backup either. But I think Nieve is the key. He's only done 1,000 Ks of racing this year. He's He is the key. He's like the wild card because if he can produce his best, well, he's raced for the best teams in the world before, particularly the Spanish ones. And I'm going to disagree there. I think uh, – uh, I was about to say Green Edge, bloody cycling. Mitchell and Scott <laughs> <laughs> Let me put have gone in very – I mean, they announced their leaders at the start of the year. It's uh, it's Chavez and Yates. And the only thing that might bring them undone will be if those two are at the pointy end and how they're going to communicate yeah. on the road in terms of, well, I can go and you could go. Who's going to go? Um, but Niev will be, he's, you know, ex-team Sky. Um, yep. He trains over races, um, which, which works for him. I think he'll be super important. Domestic. Okay, and then uh, who else? If we have a uh, you know pick Dumoulin, Dumoulin, um, the defending champion. Yeah, I would so I'd, I'd like Tom Dumoulin. I'd like to see him up there, but he's just had some really bad luck this year. Yeah, bad he's luck been a bit frustrated with, too, hasn't he? And he's yeah. frustrated. There was a I don't know if you've seen the video. It I believe it was yeah. I was there in Oman, and he had two or three. If I was, you know, I would have been having serious issues with the bike sponsor <laughs> <laughs> or the wheel sponsor. Um, and he is, it's an important to note, he is frustrated and you never really see him lose his call and he's lost his call quite a few times already this season. Okay, what about uh, Nibali and Aru? Aru is probably a chance, but he can't time trial well enough. I think it's going to be a race between Froome, Wood, Poles, um, Superman, Lopez. So Miguel Lopez for Astana. He's and good. My, he'd be and, my very good. And, yeah. and you'll like this one, Christoph. Thibaut Pino. Thibaut Pino. Yes, absolutely. He's he's looking the goods, isn't he? Yeah. Thibaut Pino. He's um the team as well is looking good. Yeah, he's like a good red wine. He's um well, like he's a good well, I don't know. I'm learning, you see. I'm learning. I'm not nothing. I don't know. Thibaut Pino. <laughs> so Thibaut Pino's team <laughs> sent him to have uh, race car uh, training to learn how to corner on the descent. Well, he's he and used to be really good at descending and then he I think he had a crash and he, he lost his confidence, but then he has. He's got it back. And um, 
you know, he's still not the best, and but if he's you want better. To, and Sophie, you want to talk about Richie Port's mental state? Well, don't even get started on Thibaut Pino. He is a head case. <laughs> uh, so if he can keep his head together, who knows? But I, I think that last time trial, I think it's 35 kilometres, that gives uh, Dumoulin and Froome and Pauls a head start. But what happens in the mountains? Because Astana is, is incredible again. And the time trials could be the undoing of Esteban Chavez as well. He's Big worked time. very, very hard on his time trialing. He admits, you know, he's, he said to me the other day, if you know, I'm on a, a mountaintop finish, I can put 10 or 15 seconds into my rivals. They can maybe put 10 or 15 seconds into me. If we do a time trial, he says they put five minutes on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, flat one especially. Yeah. They, they're going to put and time it is into it's him. pancake flat. Yeah. But it's yeah. a start that I'm interested in, um, whether Rowan Dennis can, he can take, take the, the leader's pink. jersey on the mm. first day, whether Alex Dowsett, a, a Katusha Alperson can. It'll be a good, good start. The start will be good. Could have yeah. an we have to pink. disagree, so Alex Dowsett, not a chance. <laughs> we haven't disagreed on anything today, <laughs> I know. I, I'm so sitting here I'm going, like, I'm on my fence. Yep. Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was promised stuff on Twitter, you know? like a sole backside. I was promised some stuff on some fire on Twitter. and <laughs> uh, Tour of California, you are going there, Sophie. I am going. Uh, how excited are you? My One to ten? Pretty excited. A little bit nervous, actually, because it's my first time to the States and my first time covering this race. So I've got no idea what to expect. I'm not sure what the race organizer is like. You can tell I haven't. I admittedly haven't been to a race for a while because I was speaking to a British colleague the other day. I said, oh, what hotel are you staying at? You know, we'll have to organize a, a catch-up in around work. And she's like, well, there's Sophie, they're different every night. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> my last race was early season. Exciting um, race to follow, though, Sophie, because but, all of, well, basically the big sprinters for the Tour de France the big will be there. California. Uh, Peter Sagan is there. Um, Can he add to his, I think it's 16 stage wins he has at California. At California. Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal, isn't yeah. it? It's a nice. It's somewhere around race. that. It's it's massive. He's going to talk it, take it up to twenty, I'd think. Well, and Ken Cavendish returned to some form of of, of uh, reliability. I've been really concerned about his uh, health after the crashes that he um, uh, suffered earlier the year, and particularly the concussion onset concussion that I think he had, uh, which made him crash further two times. Uh, so hopefully he can get a good race under his belt. Okay, and this and race he's will gone be uh, spec savers in the, <laughs> in the uh, And this race will be streamed live on uh, SBS, I believe. It online. will be. Thank you guys for coming. Always pleasure. a pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure. And this is it for uh, the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for this week. Uh, before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download or stream this podcast from our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral. And can also uh, pay a visit to our lovely friends at Zwift. Until uh, next time, stay safe on the road and we'll catch you in a fortnight. Bye for now. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS podcast. There are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.